Welcome back to Be Mindfully You with Brenna. Oh my goodness, y'all might be hearing my computer going ping, ping, ping because I posted something as I was about to start this recording, but it's all about that feedback. I am, wow, it's been a busy week for me with lots of excitement and a lot of things going on. Um, I hate saying that word of like being busy, but it's not even like there's a truth to it, but it's not the busy like that I can't control. It's the busy where I'm just moving and grooving, like I'm choosing to to add, add these things to my life and take time and fill up my time. That's what I was looking for. Filling up my time with the things that I want to fill it up with. So um had a fabulous freaking weekend, y'all. Um, those of you who are attached to my social media accounts saw me posting all week last week about the Wyoming Breast Cancer Initiative. Um, you know, uh, putting on a pink ribbon run. I was like trying to find my words there for a second. Sorry. And, um, Anywho, they, they've been raising money and doing all this stuff. And it's, it's kind of a really like interesting thing. So, um, we used to have a, like a pink ribbon run or a breast cancer run, um, in Wyoming that was attached to a super big foundation. And at one point they decided that if we could not raise, um, a million dollars every year that they were no longer going to be providing, um, the race to us in Wyoming, like sponsoring it, I guess. And, um, now these are my words, not what the actual words might've been. So just preference that. But I just thought that that was like so appalling because in Wyoming, we have barely over 500,000 people total in the entire state. And, like we're like getting up over 500,000 with everybody that's like moving in. But as we have people move in, we have people moving out. And if you think about that, that is not adults. That's like every single person that lives from old age to birth, you know, um, that live in Wyoming. And I was doing the math in my head. I was like, oh my gosh, in order to raise that much money, like every single person in the entire state would have to donate $2 every year, $2 every year. And I was floored by like, by that, like, since, I mean, I get it, like money is important and all this stuff, but when you're raising funds and you're raising awareness, it's not about the money. Um, but I just feel like a lot of foundations, it turns into that, that it's like about that money. So it just made me real sick, but because of them pulling out, um, I think roughly about five to seven years ago, Wyoming Breast Cancer Initiative started and they decided to move forward with still doing um, fundraising to provide Wyoming people with Wyoming money to help support those that are in need and have received um, a breast cancer diagnosis, but also like preventative care as well too. Like if you're needing to be screened, but don't have the money for it, they'll help pay for it. Um, so it's super, super awesome. And, and I love it because their thing is a flamingo and, um, they're just so stinking cute and pink. And here's my first interruption of the recording. What's up, baby? Mommy? Yes. Um, I have one. 
The joys of kids and figuring out how to count um, money. They crack me up. He was counting his quarters to see how much. And then, of course, he lost another tooth today. So he's just super excited. But um, needless to say, I uh, have two very good friends. And one of which was like, hey, I'm the committee chair and co-chairing it with our other wonderful friend. And um, I was wondering if you'd be willing to be our, recognized as our survivor of the year and do a speech. And I was like, oh, absolutely. So I got to do all the fun stuff, but I took it one step forward and I signed up a team and I just posted um, about it. And every time somebody joined my team, I posted about it. And so my social media last week was just blowing up with all these posts about the pink ribbon run. And y'all, this was just the coolest thing ever. I had, so my family, there was five of us there. Um, so minus the five of us, there were 24 people who signed up to do the walk. Um, 23 of them were able to be there. The 24th one was out of the country, but wanted to contribute. Um, but that does not include the amount of money that people then donated to the, um, to the race as well on top of their contribution to paying for the race. But I just thought like a couple of takeaways, they, they make survivors, they don't make, sorry, they allow survivors to do this run or walk for free. Like they don't charge. And then they send you this beautiful medal that's like a turquoise band and it says pink and it says survivor on it. And it's just the coolest, cutest thing ever. And so like as a survivor, you're walking around and seeing other women with these turquoise neck bands of this metal on them and know that you're not alone and you're not the only one that does this. And so I just thought it was super thoughtful that they make it free for us to do the walk run. And then they give us this beautiful metal and, um, the pink shirts. And I have these beautiful photos of, of my family all together. And then as the team, and it just was, it was, it was so overwhelming and so beautiful that I could have that many people to show up and show show love and support to an amazing cause and help. They they figured out that one in eight men or women, I think one in eight women in Wyoming are diagnosed with breast cancer right now. And I just feel like the number just keeps increasing and it is, it's a massive, it's a massive thing. And I think it's something that people struggle to talk about. It's something that we have a lot of shame over. Um, And there's a lot of assumptions made about people that have been diagnosed with cancer. And so um, that's kind of what my word of the day is for for this is assumptions. And I've posted on social media to try to see what other people are, you know, sharing about their assumptions, like what assumptions have been made about them. And um, it's just, it's like, oh my gosh. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be checking in on the, the social media thing. But so we'll talk about 
the assumptions piece of it here in a minute, but I just wanted to um, capture this speech for y'all that I had stated on um, Saturday morning, early morning. And if you all know me, I am not a morning person, so it takes me a minute to like get going. So I started off um, stating Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for coming out this morning. Thank you to Wyoming Breast Cancer Initiative for having me. I am beyond honored to be standing here with all of you. A little about me. I grew up right here in Casper. All of my earliest memories are mostly from here. I'm a wife to a wonderful man. I am a mother to three beautiful boys, a stepmother to a beautiful daughter. I work as a licensed clinical social worker here in Casper. I love serving this community and have done so for eight years now. I was diagnosed at the age of 32 years old with what they say triple positive, and later it was determined inflammatory breast cancer. I did six rounds of what we call the yucky chemo, 21 rounds of what they call immunotherapy, 30 rounds of radiation, several surgeries, and as of February of this year was when I completed the major treatments. And my reconstruction was done April 27th this year. And I added in there was like, and man, does it feel good to feel like a woman again? And a cancer patient's journey is long. Fight and recover are two words that come to my mind. Fight and recover. Breast cancer turned my world upside down, as it does for many. When told I had cancer, I still remember that day so clearly. I was sitting at work and got the phone call from the doctor. Nothing can prepare you for those words. You have cancer. To say it was crippling is an understatement. See, the problem is cancer doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care how old you are or what you look like. And when it hits, it it has a long-lasting rippling effect. There are many who have been impacted by cancer, whether personally or through a loved one, and there will be many more impacted by cancer. I was floored to receive such a diagnosis at such an age, but one of the many things I'm grateful for was the services that are available to me here in Wyoming, to be able to start and end my treatments close to my family, to have initiatives like this one paving the way for Wyoming people to have all their needs met, to have resources to help those who are struggling, because let's be honest, this is no inexpensive thing. All of this is possible because of generous hearts like yours. Cancer does not define me, and it does not define any of us. We live with it. We grow from it. I am not the same woman I was almost two, almost two years ago. I am fierce, with fierce hair. <laughs> but more importantly, I live fiercely and love fiercely. I laugh and take every moment I can. I am a warrior, just like many are. I am a survivor. I'm so grateful to have a community such as this willing to give and support. You all have my back and every person that has been touched by cancer or will be touched by it. You have their back. Um, it was awesome because in the midst as I've started talking, my three-year-old came up and joined me on stage and he, this is the thing about communities um, that I feel like are so important for people to remember. Kids are kids and kids are going to do what kids want to do. And so he came up there and he joined me. And as we have our governor on stage and our senator on stage with me, 
and the MC of the event, my dear, dear friend. And she allows him to come up and he looks at me and he says, mommy, I want to try. So I said, oh, my, this is my youngest. And I turned and I handed him the microphone. You want to try, buddy? Yeah. I said, okay, say hi. Hi. And my friend runs up to him and says, tell, say, thanks for being here or thank you for coming. And you hear his three-year-old voice, thank you for coming. And everybody's like, mom you know, and my friend just takes his hand and walks him back over and he's standing up there. He's got a a granola bar in his left hand, you know, like chilling and my family and everybody are up front just giggling. And I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. Um, and I just rolled on with the speech and just flowed with it. And, um, you know, my kids are involved. I have interruptions when I do podcasts, but the only time I'm like, oh, you got to not interrupt me is when I'm trying to read something and narrate it. So it's like, oh, please don't, please don't, please don't. Shh, no noise, no noise. Um, but it's, it's part of who I am as a mom. It's part of who I am. Um, as a person, I, you know, work at a school and I get interrupted a hundred times a day. And yes, there are times where it's really annoying and I would really like to get stuff done. And that's when I put my boundaries up. I have to get this done. Give me 10 minutes and then I will be completed. You know, um, you take a risk, like closing the door in the office and trying to get everything done and figure it all out. And so it's just, it's just part of it. But, I was so beyond blessed to be given an opportunity to speak from my heart because I truly, truly do feel that way. Cancer does not define me. Um, And through this journey, I have grown so, so, so much. And with any obstacle that comes any person's way, you have a choice to either step up and learn and grow from it or um, sink down and wallow in it. And I have always just been one where I allow myself space to wallow, um, but I am always pushing for for growth and for leaning into whatever it is, because there's something, there's always something on the other side. And I didn't you know, you hear a lot of stories and that was just a quick brush over all the stuff. I, I, I didn't want to make it a tearjerker being diagnosed at 32 years old is already a tearjerker enough. It's not something that somebody wants to hear. And there are people that are, I had to get choked up people that are, that have lost their lives at that age because of cancer or because of an accident or, you know, something. And then, then you have, you have kids that are diagnosed, you know, and I think what was so crazy to me was when they had stated that there is somebody in the state of Wyoming diagnosed with breast cancer, one person every day, every day. That's a problem. And this assumption that nothing has to change, this assumption that we don't have to do anything about it, this assumption of, well, it's not a part of my life, so I don't, it's not something that I have to worry about, is wrong. Because you, we, we don't, we don't know when it's going to impact somebody that you love. And it is almost guaranteed as, as we continue to live the life we are living and consume the way that we are consuming and not being aware of what it is that we are putting on our bodies and in our bodies. 
that cancer one day will be every one in two people diagnosed. And I don't say that to scare people. I say that because that's what statistics and research has shown. People have documented this in books and 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 I know that that is not something that people want to hear, but it is the reality um, of what we're facing. And it goes into this big, 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 big soapbox that I could go into. A very big soapbox. And that soapbox is coming. Like, y'all are going to hear about it. And um, I'm going to have some ladies that come in and chat about, you know, what it is that they've learned being cancer survivors um, to talk about, you know, just what it was like for them um, as long as they're willing to share their story. Um, And I'll probably get into the nitty gritty of it as well, too, of of going through chemo and um, the sick, the sick, sick feelings and uh, I'm getting choked up. Um, a sensation of, of a, of a, of a ticking time bomb. And, um, I think that's where this is, is going with the assumption piece of it. I've received a lot of assumptions, um, over the years, like, oh God, um, being called, assuming that I'm being aggressive when I'm setting boundaries. And I've been told that, well, you're being really aggressive. No, I'm letting you know what my boundaries are. And I am advocating for myself and informing you of what I will do. So you're no longer surprised if that's aggressive or confrontational to you. That's a you thing, not a me thing. Um, I've been, (laughs) never forget this with an interaction with a teacher with one of my children um, talking with me about holding him back. It was the beginning of November and they had started the second week in September. So they had maybe a full month and two weeks, (laughs) if that, of school. And um, they wanted to talk to me about holding my son back. And I said, okay. So I was talking to them and and mind you, just to set the stage, this was preschool. And it's the teacher and the director of the preschool. And they're talking to me and talking about, you know, his behaviors in the classroom. all this stuff. And meanwhile, so let me preference this. I am one of those that sometimes my brain will recognize what it is that you're doing in the moment. And then I can respond appropriately. Other times my brain absorbs everything that you're, you're saying. And then I leave and I process. And then I'm like, Oh, no, they did not, you know, and I'm like, I cannot believe. And then I have to go back and, and revisit. Now there is nothing wrong with either of those things. I actually think that processing it allows me to uh, take the, the, the emotions out of this scenario. And then you, um, figure it out from there as to like what to say and how to go about it. So I'm super grateful for the way that I, like I do things, though there are times when I really wish 
that in the moment that things could, that things are stated that I could just look at them and just download a little bit of my besties savageness because, and clap back like right away because I like, oh, there's some messed up stuff that have people have, people have stated in front of my face and they see nothing wrong with it or they know exactly what they're doing and so they want to make you feel some type of way. So my, my brain was focusing on, um, and you're going to hear a YouTube thing popping up in the background. Oh, got another interruption. Hold on, guys. <laughs> okay, y'all might hear some YouTube shows in the background. Um, I kind of like that interruption because I like squirreled off and forgot what I was talking about. Okay, so going back to the preschool thing. Um, and I always assume that people try to come from the best like intentions. Um, but sometimes there are people that literally, oh, let me restate that. They legitimately know that what they're saying is going to have a profound impact. So needless to say, they're talking to me about the um, my son and holding him back and whether or not they're talking about his behavior, seeing what they said. And the main, and all through the conversation, the teacher keeps referring to my child as a baby. Well, you know, he's just a baby. So I asked some clarifying questions because as a social worker, that's what you do. You have to gather all the facts, know all the understanding, paint a semi understanding of what, what it is that's going on. And I'm painting this picture for them and I, or painting this picture for myself. And then she ends the conversation with... Well, you handled that better than I expected. Okay, like, what? Wait, <laughs> handled that better than you expected? Like, um, was I supposed to be like wilding out in here, like freaking out because you're saying all this stuff about my kid, you know? And I asked those questions of like, well, the previous preschool teacher and I talked about what we should do, like whether we should hold them back for a year or push them forward, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, um, I just told them, I said, well, you know, I'll take this into consideration, but if I don't want you to hold them back, what, like, what do we have from here? And, oh no, we won't, you know, we won't force you to do that. And I was like, okay, so do we come up with a plan to help him? Like what's, what, what do you need? So, you know, I got this whole picture painted for me. So I went and sought a second opinion. Um, and I just know this from, kids like working with kids that if they're academically where they're supposed to be at and you hold them back they're bored you have behaviors if you push them forward and they're academically not ready um, they get frustrated and thus you have behaviors and little boys are very notorious for not being emotionally mature enough to be where they're at and so sometimes holding them back there is a massive benefit to that blah 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 um, with my son he has to be pushed um and academically, he was exactly where he needed to be, you know. So I did my research and looked up and asked questions from another place that was doing the assessment and blah, 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 blah. You know, I went through this whole thing and I went back with the information. And, um, you know, it's always funny watching people, how they react um, and and being from a small community. People talk, man. And I, I, like there's a difference between venting. And there's a difference of like, you're just straight talking trash. And um, 
she, I think, meant to vent, um, but she was straight talking trash. And she utilized my name and my son's name to a <laughs> another daycare parent um, of my daycare. And then I found out about it and I was like, excuse me? Um, yeah, this mama was hated. So that assumption of handling things really well, like... Hmm. Are you assuming that I'm like ratchet? Like, I just don't know what to do or how to handle myself because you clearly don't know who I am. And I always giggle because there are a lot of assumptions that are, are made. And, um, uh, oh God, when I was pregnant with, with my first son, this dude was like, are you having twins? No, just one? Yeah. Oh, must be a bit one big one then. And then, oh, and I think he squeezed in one before that. Oh, is this like your second or third kid? And I'm like, nope, my first one. I must be one big baby. And I was like, what the bloody? Like, I was just trying to get out of there because I was in court for one as for my job. So I'm like running out of the room and I like look back and I'm walking across the parking lot and I'm like, son of a, are you freaking kidding me right now? Like, who, who says that? that and and I would love to say that oh just be like oh that's that's a man for you but no I'm, people say this crap all the time you know I've I've heard other people are like yeah some ladies walking by was like oh girl you sure you should be doing that you know you, with with being pregnant and all well, you better watch out and it's like I'm not pregnant <laughs> and they like look around and they're like oh my god like I don't understand well Sometimes, I can't even say that we don't understand. Like sometimes you just have diarrhea of the mouth, you know? Um, but people just lack self-reflection ability to like say stuff or the thoughts that come out of their mouth is is like, boom. So then another one, um, I, I got one time. So after I had the boys, all three of them, I had gained so much weight with my first son. And then I had this like 20 pounds that just did not go away. Then I got pregnant with James because they're close together and my second son. And I barely gained any weight and just popped right back down to the said weight I was before I got pregnant with him. And then I got pregnant again with Killian and I was like, oh my God. And then it was, I gained weight and then I popped back down to instead of 20 pounds left, it was 30 pounds. And then I was like stuck in this realm of like, couldn't lose, couldn't lose this weight, couldn't lose this weight. I would lose a couple pounds and lose inches when I was working out, but you couldn't lose weight. And, um, I had somebody borrow clothes from me and, um, or not borrow clothes. They wanted to borrow clothes. And they asked like, you know, oh, all the stuff. And I was like, well, I, you know, it just kind of depends on what your size is. And they were like, well, what size are you? And so I explained to them and they were like, I didn't realize you're that size. Um, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> and so for me, I'm 5'11". Weight on me looks vastly different than weight on somebody who's 5'2" or five, five, you know, or even five, seven, it just looks different on everybody. You like, you can't look at somebody and be like, Oh, you're so skinny. You look so good. You know? And the person's like, um, 
okay. And then you look at somebody else like, oh, damn, you know, you just, you just like, you don't, you don't get to do that. Like keep your opinions to your dang self. Um, you know, and I know that it's like that shock of like, oh my God, I can't believe that she's that size. Dude, keep that, keep those thoughts to yourself, man. Like all that does is just like shred down. And for somebody like me, I have a whole lot of grace not a lot of savageness. I mean, I can be savage, but I like, I just have so much grace for people because I get it. There's stuff that pops out of your mouth that you're like, Oh my God. Um, but at the same time, it's like, Oh, Whoa. Like, are you meaning something like that? Like by that? And I think that's the biggest thing for me now is what do you mean by that? Like I literally ask people that because they are not expecting a self-reflective reflecting question. And I just like, oh God. Um, Something that was very fascinating to me this weekend. And I know from the bottom of my heart all the way through to my toes to the tip of my head that this was meant from a wonderful place when this person had stated this. Um, It was like the ultimate compliment. So I need y'all to hear me when I say that it was the ultimate comment, but it was a comment that I was like, what? I, it just got this whole thought process, like, um, thinking, right? Like my whole brain just started going and it just wouldn't shut off. And so I was standing at the reception and I, um, was introduced as the survivor of the year. And they thanked me for being there. And, um, you know, and I was like, okay, cool. And <laughs> later people were like, you're, 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 you're the survivor. Oh, that's so wonderful. Nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. And the statement that I got was from one person was you're the survivor. Wow. You don't look it. And I'm like, Oh, you know, thank you. Um, but the biggest thing that came to my mind was two things. What is a cancer survivor supposed to look like? Like, like, I just, I just want to sit there and ask somebody like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind of what a cancer survivor looks like in your head? And you know what? Like this just popped in my head. So I'm going to do this. Um, I almost kind of want to ask, let's type this crap into Google and see what does a cancer survivor look like? Okay, so when it types in, what does a cancer patient look like? Um, there's like a lot of people that are in the hospitals, right? Or in the medical clinics, uh, the bald head being one, another one with a beanie and um, the veins, like having the infusions happening. There's another one with a gal that has hair and she's going through her port and another couple that have, um, bald head, but one of them, only one of them, well, two of them look like, nope, three of them look pretty happy and healthy. Um, even with their bald heads, you know, and one gal, only one of them has this big, bright, smiling face. Um, (laughs) Yo. And then um, what does a cancer, let's change that word, survivor look like? Let's see. 
Oh, that's pretty interesting. So when you type this in, some of them come up. So the first images came up with a lady of in cancer treatment, no hair, and afterwards her vibrant, beautiful face and her long hair coming back. There was another one um, of a guy sitting in a, in a medical facility in a chair doing some exercise with the doctor. There's another gal with a buzzed head smiling, and once again, she looks beautiful. There's an older gentleman, and I love this. He's in he's in a, a bed, and he's got his fist up with a face like he's ready to fight. Um, there's another little kid holding up a picture of what she looked like before um, during cancer treatments and then what she looks like now and absolutely beautiful. Another lady, beautiful, gorgeous, you know, brown, brown skin woman, man. And another gal is she's got, you know, confetti throwing and um, I just, so then when you click on Google images, let's see. Yeah, there's people saying they're smiling. There's, um, Posts about three or, you know, the 11 famous people that are breast cancer survivors. There's another gal with a, um, a beautiful scarf around her head, smiling and showing her muscles. Um, but everybody that I see in these pictures are, are vibrant and, and beautiful and love and life and living. And, oh my God, it just kills me. This woman posing with her double mastectomies, no breasts, completely topless, and she is just smiling and you can see the light in her eyes. So please explain to me, like what is a, is a breast cancer survivor supposed to look like? Are, are, are we supposed to have this look to us that we are unhealthy and unwell? Like, and I think that was the thing for me that was like, we you would look at me and you would never know that I fought through cancer unless you were a part of my journey and you saw my scars and boy, do I have a lot of freaking scars to show, you know, but like, I'm grateful that I don't look like I'm a cancer survivor because I want to look and feel vibrant. I don't want to look as if I'm sick. You know, I went through that phase like after chemo, every round of chemo, I was like bag under the eyes. My eyes were super droopy. My body hurt. I was walking around slow. Like I feel like crud the whole entire time. Like it's not a pretty a scenario, you know, and I don't want to have this sign hanging on my body that I've had cancer. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just very different to sit and think about that. And, you know, now I know the question or I mean statement, you know, like that, I just, I'm aware that it was not coming from a place of harm. And it just was this beautiful thing of like, oh my gosh, you are so vibrant and full of energy and you look so freaking good that that is amazing. And I think for other survivors looking at that, it brings hope that there's a, there's, there's life after this, that you can go back to, you know, and I would say that it's not that you go back to because your body is kind of forever changed for a long period of time but it's that hopefulness of like I won't look sick the entire time you know and like makeup is super great for hiding those things like all that stuff but it's just you know best intentions highest compliment one could receive and and yet I'm still sitting here because I'm a thinker and it gave me pause like what is the assumption folks have of cancer survivors and 
and what is it that they think that we're supposed to look like and act like and be like? Um, are we supposed to be sickly? You know, there's a lot of people out there that have autoimmune disorders and nobody would ever know because a lot of these things are not shown on the surface, you know, um, it's, it's internal within, within our bodies. And, um, you know, and I would even say that a lot for me, what, what is, what has gone on for me is just been how I've been caring for myself and how I treat my body and how I, um, fuel it with certain things rather than some of the old stuff. And yes, there's times where you'll catch me and I'm eating brownies and chips and all the crud, but you know, shoot every time, every once in a while, you got to have a cheat day, you know? And, but it's just, I don't know. I, I like the assumptions, the assumptions that are made about other people. And then the fact that people say them, it's like, why, why do you have to say something in front of somebody else? Like just, shh, you know, like if you don't want it said to you, like, don't say it, don't say it out loud. And so one of my, my dear friends, and I'm so glad that she, <laughs> that she shared this, um, I just thought it was so fascinating that she was like, um, I, she goes, I get this all the time and is that she's extremely bitchy because she suffers from resting bitch face. And I sat there, I was like, oh my gosh. And it's the furthest from the truth. And I said, literally have heard this so many times. I can't count is what she says. And she's laughing. And I, and I asked her, I said, do you ever wish people would stop saying it? And she writes back, I've heard it so many times. I just ignore it now. But I recall at one time I hated hearing it. I mean, I know how my face looks, but I can't change it, especially when I'm focused on something. And and, you know, and so, sorry, I'm all responding to her because this, this is what I do. Um, and I just like, that bugs me. Like come up with something else besides calling another, you know, another female bitchy or, you know, why do you have to add on those, those innuendos of like, oh, you handled that better than I thought you would have handled it. You know, like, come on, we could do better. We totally could do better. Find a way to to be intentional with how you're speaking. Don't just loosely throw out words. It's something that I've been working on as well because you know how they always say that like men and women communicate like very differently. Well, there is such a truth to that and it's a profound statement. Men and women do communicate differently and men are much more direct and to the point and women, we can talk in loops and alley-oops and around things all day long. And so we can learn something from that. Men learning to soften and loop a little bit as well as women learning to be way more direct. And and also I think the biggest thing is, and, and men and women both can work on this, is being intentional with how you're saying things. If I say this out loud, how is this going to be perceived? And asking yourself that question so you can understand um, the impact that you could possibly have and 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 going for, going that route with it. It's it's just it's worth it, y'all. It's worth it to know, you know, how it is that your speech could impact somebody else. Um and it's also a, like a growth thing. It's just a great self-reflection tool for you to know. And like I said, I know that people, there are some people that are generally just being jerks about things and then there are some people who 
really have the best intention and it's just a shock moment. And so it's like that word vomit. And Friday night was a confirmation to me that I am vibrant and bright and jovial and bring so much hope to those around me that you can make it through a serious thing and come out on the other side and look great and fierce and loving and kind and all all of the freaking things. So I just, you know, it's been stuck on my mind and you know how I am. I just have to share things and and there's going to be more to come, y'all. So thanks for tuning in and we will catch you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in again over here at Be Mindfully You. Oh, what a great conversation. One that's been on my brain all weekend. And until the next time, always stay be true and mindful to you. And we will catch you next time on Be Mindfully You. Thank you so much. <laughs>